Welcome to the Black Sparrow Media Internet Broadcast Network. You are listening to Linux in the Hampshire. LHS is a podcast about Linux, open source, and amateur radio for everyone. Now here are your hosts, Russ, K5TUX, Cheryl, W5MOO, and Bill, NE4RD. Well, hello everybody and welcome. You have tuned in to episode number 372 of the most terrific amateur radio podcast on the internet. This is Linux in the Ham Shack, and we have a great short topics episode for you tonight. We will cover some amateur radio. We'll cover some open source. We'll blend them together in Linux in the Ham Shack. We'll do our social media roundup and let everybody know who helps out the show. And then we'll get on our way. And we want to say thank you for everybody who's listening. But before we dive right into it, let's go ahead and introduce ourselves. I'm Russ, K5TUX. I'm Cheryl, W5MOO. I'm Bill, NE4RD. Oh, yeah, and the other guy, Kaya Richard, KB5JBE. Who's a little out of practice, apparently. (laughs) Still still a little out of practice. All right. Well, it's good to have Richard back. He's uh, he's rapidly become a uh, semi-permanent fixture on the show once again. Uh, It only took him 260 episodes plus. (laughs) uh, Okay, better late than never. Eight years. Eight years. Yep, it's been a while. It's been that long. However, I do want everybody to know that uh, not only have we moved from Kaufman County to Dallas County and then back to Kaufman County again, that it's a beautiful time here in semi-east Texas. The uh, leaves are starting to turn red, and uh, all the critters are starting to hibernate for the for the winter. The gators have started shedding their skin, and the semi-annual hobo migration is uh currently underway so for those of y'all that have been worried about east texas uh there you go um, can't say that i know anybody who's been worried about east texas but, uh, uh, that being said let's move into our lead topic for tonight and i know because it's the boy scouts of america the bill is itching to talk about it so bill uh, go for it Oh, of course. And yes, we're talking about Jamboree on the Air and Jamboree on the Internet. And it's here. It's coming this weekend. Jamboree on the Air is the largest scouting event in the world and is coming this weekend, October 16th through the 18th. In a typical year, more than 1 million scouts participate with over 11,000 stations operated by 20,000 plus amateur radio operators in operation from 150 plus countries around the world. Of course, with COVID-19 in play, there are a variety of obstacles and precautions that need to be adhered to. Uh, so check out the uh, K2BSA's website. Uh, we have a link to a lot of general information on COVID-19 and scouting. And uh, if you haven't registered yet, get on over to the uh, Joda Jody site and get your registration in. And uh, I've got a couple links in the show notes to help you get that. So, uh, yeah, it'll be a, it'll be an interesting, uh, interesting year. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of people are trying to do uh, uh, virtual, um, 
you know, connecting their uh, amateur radios uh, via Zoom and everything else. So uh, I'm kind of excited to see exactly how it all turns out. Um, we know here doing a podcast, you know, piping audio around is a is a complex process. So uh, uh, find the right tools, and you can you can most likely do it. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, where you have a, a little less restrictions, of course, uh, you know, still. You know, follow follow the guidelines of your counties, your cities, your councils, your districts, and uh, let's just uh, keep everybody safe and let's have a good event. Yeah, I signed up and registered and all that stuff last year, and then didn't really operate. So we'll see what happens this year. Maybe I can maybe I can do a little bit better. I'd like to uh, to work out my seventy one hundred a little more. Yeah, so. that'd be nice. Yeah, well, absolutely. Well, everybody listening, y'all do need to hop on the Yoda stations while they're while they've got this going on, because that's one of the ways we grow the hobby. And these guys, these kids, man, they're they're really fantastic operators when they get their licenses going and stuff. So it's well worth your time to get in there and talk with them a little bit. Yeah, we've we've always been hot on keeping the hobby active and getting more people into it. So, and this is definitely a good way to it because. Uh, you know the Boy Scouts they they force these kids into playing with radios and stuff. So <laughs> <laughs> here's a radio, fire it up, and talk to somebody. Damn it! <laughs> yep, as they're handcuffed to a radio. <sighs> um, all right, so moving on from Joe to Jody, which should be a fun event this year, despite the pandemic. Uh, we'll move into some amateur radio topics, and the first one we have tonight is a revised IARU Region Two band plan is now available. And everybody knows what the IARU regions are, right? Yeah, region two is us. Yeah, region two is is we. We yeah. we don't we don't get to be first fiddle in the IARU. We're second no, fiddle. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're uh, North and South America will be region two. This includes the change approved at the General Assembly meetings in Lima in October 2019 to add an amateur radio satellite uplink subband from. 21.125 to 21.450 kilohertz. That's 21.125 to 21.45 megahertz on a non-exclusive basis, which matches similar changes in IARU Region 1 and 3. In addition, a number of administrative changes have also been made to the text. The band plan itself has not been modified. These changes include modifications to the wording of the band plan to ensure that National regulators understand that it is a voluntary document and that countries may make departures from the band plan based on national requirements. Definitions additions include amateur radio direction finding, primary service, secondary service, and several acronyms. We love them acronyms. Inclusion of information detailing the primary and secondary users in each amateur band and the correction of minor typographical errors. Oh, can't believe there are those in there. Uh, <laughs> Anyway, that came from the IARU Region 2, that's us, website. And a link, of course, will be in the show notes. So cool. Uh, are you are you busy over there? Yes, she's busy over there. So I won't ask her to read the story. Maybe we should ask Richard to read the story. I know he can he can read poorly, just like we I want, do. <laughs> I want you to know it's been a long time since I've read show notes while I was on while I was actually doing the recording. It's not going to be great. However, let me uh, say that. Do you, do you wear glasses? Yes, you do. Right, all the time. <laughs> okay, take them off. 
You'll do better. In fact, I have, I have 16 pairs, all, all for one thing or the other. I like the ones that have naked ladies on them. Uh, however, uh, the FCC deletes 3.4 gigahertz amateur uh, satellite band service allocation. Uh, at its opening meeting on September 30th, 19, uh, 2020, sorry, I'm stuck, in the last, right. I'm stuck in the last century. The Federal Communications Commission adopted a report to order that sunsets the amateur radio use of the 3.3 to 3.5 gigahertz band. The spectrum includes the 3.4 and to 4, 3.41 gigahertz amateur radio satellite service allocation. AMSAT had uh, previously filed comments opposing the FCC's uh, proposal to delete the spectrum. The adopted report and order can be found at, oh, good Lord, HTTP. We, we just, no, don't bother just in the that. show notes. We just put it in the show notes. <laughs> okay, y'all look for it in the show notes. Okay, and source, uh, same as above. Now, I was actually looking at this story today, and that's, the biggest problem I'm seeing. Um, recently, I spoke about uh, on the other show, one of the other shows, spoke about the fact that we are spreading ourselves out to the point that we may start losing spectrum, and I see this as a precursor to that. Um, I mean, a lot of the guys that are licensed now don't remember when we lost part of the 220 band. But it's really easy. The FCC, all they have to do is tell us we can't use it anymore and we can't use it. And if we don't keep it populated, then we will end up losing it. And now I'm going to take my soapbox and slide it back under the desk. <laughs> well, oh, I'm, I'm sure 3.4 gigahertz is not a, uh, not a very popular band uh, in use just due to uh, the complications of actually uh, getting the equipment to do that because they're really isn't any <laughs> although i think tony is single-handedly keeping 220 alive so yeah, yeah. <laughs> now we have some guys here in town too that do uh 220 it's like uh yeah okay you got a 220 handheld and they got one 220 repeater so uh and like yeah. I said, on the last show we get we had a club just install a 220 repeater i think so yeah back so. down in florida we use 220 for lincoln repeaters quite often so that's about the only use that we ever ever used it for well, the other the other side of it is that we slowly lose these allocations. That uh, doesn't stop them from coming and get the ones that do have more traffic. Uh, they've tried more than one. Uh, Microsoft, Microsoft tried to take part of our seventy-seven meter band back in the nineties for little Leo satellites, is what they were going to call them, lower Earth orbiting satellites. Uh, which is what Elon Musk is doing right now, but he's not uh, trying to take part of our band allocations away. Yeah. Uh, what is that? Star- Starlink? Starlink. Starlink, yeah. Yeah, Starlink's yeah. a new thing. There's yeah. gonna be how many of those damn things? Like thousand? <laughs> oh, good lo- oh, good Lord. They're, <laughs> they're throwing 40 to 70 out on every, every mission right now. I have no idea how many there's going to be. <laughs> It's going to be a lot. It's going to be a lot of clutter up there. <laughs> All right, Bill, tell us about the uh, ORI. Yeah, I found this story in relationship to a, a later story we'll also talk about. But uh, I was just looking at the grants that were approved through uh, through the uh, ARDC. But, uh, yeah, the Open Research Institute P4XT Phase 2 grant is funded. Uh, the goal of this project is to provide both designs and equipment for advanced, accessible, and enjoyable amateur radio system that will operate a 5 gigahertz uplink and a 10 gigahertz downlink. 
modern and relevant digital communication techniques will be enthusiastically uh, employed to create a powerful and useful communication system that all amateurs can enjoy. Many dozens of simultaneous users can take advantage of the high bandwidth digital multimedia communications. The system can be configured for thousands of simultaneous voice users. Legacy modes can be supported as well. Any uplink channel can be designated as a legacy analog mode and the channel transported through the payload. The amount of this grant was 507,000 big ones. So uh, half a million dollars got, uh, got given to, uh, to the ORI for its full program. So, uh, the links to both the, uh, ARDC awards page and the uh, ORI proposal are in the show notes. All right. Very good. Money coming this way for open projects and, uh, amateur radio on some of the, uh, super ultra high frequency stuff. So cool. Yeah. I think this is kind of like in preparation for, uh, you know, uh, like, uh, that QO 100 satellite that's over top of Africa that we can't use. Right. <laughs> well, I think we're, we're destined to get one that's very similar. So, uh, um, that'll be, uh, kind of all within the same context as that i imagine it'll take if we ever get a geosync uh amateur radio satellite it'll take two years before you can actually get onto it because it's just gonna be so <laughs> busy it'd be crazy <laughs> but <laughs> i don't know i think they've done pretty well with the the qo 100 so um so far so good yeah excellent so those are our amateur radio focused topics for the evening so let's slip on into some open source and the first thing we're going to talk about is some legalese, and this is the Supreme Court is taking on Google and Oracle one last time. Ah, crazy, these people. <laughs> Ten years after Oracle first sued Google over the code in the Android platform, the two tech giants are finally facing off in the Supreme Court. Since then, there have been three trials and two appeals. Billions of dollars are at stake. Many millions will likely be spent and have likely been spent on a parade of seasoned litigators, expert witnesses, and bizarre trial exhibits. We need examples. <laughs> <laughs> Intended to explain programming to non-technical juries. All this may be coming to an anticlimactic close on Wednesday morning with a teleconference Supreme Court oral argument in the middle of a pandemic. Ooh. Tom Holwerda, 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 comments on this google must win this case that's uh okay uh not because google somehow deserves it but because oracle and its ceo are the scum of the earth dead set on destroying the very foundations of programming <laughs> wow that's a resounding endorsement of that. <laughs> um, anyway uh <laughs> that made it worth reading uh so the source on like this, this was guy. os news oh yeah he doesn't pull any bunches does he uh, the source is OS News, and the link will be in the show notes and a full transcript of the Supreme Court uh, uh, thing, conference, whatever, uh, is also linked in the show notes. So there you yeah, go. Yeah, they, they've already had this. This was just a few days ago as we're recording this. And, uh, yeah, it's quite interesting listening to the back and forth between the justices and the three attorneys um, that were uh, that were counsel for this particular case. And uh, some of it uh, is interesting just because uh, you can tell that, that the justices did spend some time studying this quite uh, quite in detail. And they're trying to come up with, uh, you know, analogies and stuff that makes sense. And uh, like, like like they said there, it's really hard to uh, get into the guts of the programming side of this stuff <laughs> without uh, having a lot of technical detail. Um 
but uh yeah the uh, the transcript is available for text and you know they also have a full recording of the conference as well and there are some uh are some interesting comments and stuff like that about fair use and whatnot and i know we've talked about this in the past and although this is not technically an open source target uh, topic the impact of this particular case could 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 uh could change the way you interact with other programs um with some of the uh, new case law that that this would create all right so we don't want to get bogged down in legalese but apparently google needs to win so (laughs) we'll we'll see how the supreme court decides on that matter when they actually render their judgments so that being said let's move on to a linux graphical application I do have one more comment on the last. I do have one more comment on the last story. Oracle, suck it. Okay, go ahead. (laughs) (laughs) You could have just thrown that in anywhere. You didn't have to ask. You know, it's not like. (laughs) Yeah, anybody that's been the the you know the industry knows that that Oracle is is you know the devil reincarnate. All right, so talk about WSL, Bill. Sure, yeah. Linux Linux graphical apps are coming to the Windows subsystem for Linux at the Microsoft Build 2020 Virtual Developers Conference. CEO Satya Nadella announced that uh, Windows subsystem for Linux 2.0 would soon support Linux GUI and applications. Uh, that day is closer now than ever before. At the recent Xorg Developers Conference, XDC, uh, Microsoft partner developer lead Steve Provenost uh, revealed that Microsoft had has made it possible to run graphical Linux applications with WSL. Uh, it's always been possible to run Linux graphical programs such as the, the GIMP uh, graphics editor, Evolution uh, email client, and LibreOffice on WSL, but it wasn't easy. You had to install a third-party X-Window display server such as VCXRSRV, like we talked about in the past, uh, Windows X server and Windows 10, and then, then do some tuning with both Windows and Linux to get them to work together smoothly. The X window system underlies most, almost all Linux graphical user interfaces. Uh, now Microsoft has ported a Wayland display server to WSL. Wayland is the most popular X windows compatible server. In WSL2, it connects the graphical Linux applications via a remote desktop protocol connection to the main Windows display. This means you can run Linux and Windows GUI applications simultaneously on the same desktop screen. And let's see, do I want to read any more of this? Blah, 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 blah. I'll read the last one. Uh, Don't get too excited about it just yet, though. (laughs) Lowen uh, continued. We don't have an ETA yet for the beta channel. However, this work will be available in general for insiders to try within the next couple of months. So if you're already on the uh, beta builds of uh, the the Windows Insider or whatever they're really calling that program now, I can't remember, you, you, you'll probably get this feature a little bit sooner than later, and you can uh, definitely play around with it. Who keeps taking my extra spaces out? I take their extra spaces out. The internet doesn't like double spaces. That's... I don't care about the internet. Jeez. <laughs> when you're in monospace, I feel like I'm on a typewriter, so I have to put two spaces after a colon. <laughs> I feel legally obligated. Cheryl gave you the thumbs up, and you have to understand, I understand that the style book says that a colon should be separated by two col- or by two spaces. I, I know. I get it. Damn it. But the <laughs> but the internet doesn't do double spaces, so uh, technology sucks. <laughs> exactly. Thank you for repeating my mantra. Um, <laughs> and finally, we have. Let's see. Do you, you want to tackle this one, Richard? You're going to get through it like 
Tonight? Oh, good Lord. Let me, <laughs> let me stumble through this badger. Uh, right. Oh, wait a minute. I just created a badger, didn't I? Oh, well. We don't, uh, we don't badger anymore. You know, it's funny that the, the, the header on the website has said 3% more badgers for a very, very long time now, but we, we gave up on badgers quite a while ago. So that's so sad. <laughs> well, I mean, they get I mean, thrown in every once in a while, or we manually insert them by saying badger instead of the thing we're thinking. But it's, it's hard for me to say stuff now. No, you can, badger's not there. Oh, no, you God. can say whatever you want. We just don't edit anymore. Oh, well, what the hell? Uh, controversy. Uh, <laughs> controversy. Concerning. Right. I, I think we're going to have to cut you off at the first one. I'm sorry. I <laughs> apparently have been far too. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Let's try this again. Conservancy announces new strategy for GPL enforcement. Software Freedom Conservancy, the, yeah, I can't even talk tonight, guys. The only organization actively engaged in uh, general public lessons, GPL, enforcement and compliance work for linux announces today see y'all got me cold reading this and i i'm out of practice well Bill, uh, bill's the one who cut and paste these uh, and he cold reads them every time so we, uh, well, we, we yeah, don't know anything that's going on so he's used to it i haven't done this in a long time anyway they uh they announced today a new strategy towards improving compliance and the freedom of users of devices that contain Linux-based systems. The new work has uh, received a initial grant from the Amateur Radio Digital Communications, ARDC, uh, copy left enforcement, ensure uh, I'm just like fucking zoning. Uh, oh, another badger. Uh, here's <laughs> software freedom for all. Uh, copy left licenses require distribution to provide complete source code, including installation instructions. Without this, we do not control the software that surrounds us. Whether we want to fix simple bugs, remove functionality to protect our privacy, or completely re replace device uh, firmware, we need to need the ability to modify and reinstall the software on our devices. Today, Conservancy announces it is undertaking a new multi-pronged approach to our copyleft compliance work. Our new initiative features, okay, here we go, here's the features, litigation to enforce against license violators that do not voluntarily comply in a timely manner, coordinating the development of an alternative firmware for devices where none currently none currently exist, collaborating with other organizations to promote copyleft compliance as a feature for consumers to protect their privacy and get more out of their devices. And that's going to be over at uh, http uh, colon slash slash url bcts dot info stroke phsm sf conservancy. Now, see, y'all, y'all, I told y'all I was uh, out of practice. <laughs> you told us you were, you know, there was a slight pause right before you said out of practice, and I thought you were going to say drunk, but. <laughs> <laughs> Not yet. There wasn't enough here to make that happen. No, because that if you were drunk, drunk, you would have read it much better. 
We we find I, that I, usually I, happens I, here. So a hell of a lot better. In fact, uh, quite honestly, I've been looking at weed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, there's enough of it around here. We can get contact high pretty much every day of the week. So anyway, Bill, do you want to comment on this, or is this a cold read for you too? Uh, which one? The the WHTX? software conservancy? No, no, no. The, the story we're still on. <laughs> oh, oh no! God no. help us, get us out of here, please. <laughs> Do I want to comment? It's, it's funny. Richard says the things we think. <laughs> it's not funny. You just haven't. You're not used to it anymore. <laughs> well, no. I was just. I was just interested in the in the actual. Um, uh, what was I going to say? Darn. I'm like, blah. I was interested in brain fart, brain fart, brain fart <laughs> in the link between the, the Linux stuff and of course, amateur radio. And I almost made this like the hybrid topic because it sort of is because it, it brings together, uh, the amateur radio digital communications, um, 501c3, uh, people, uh, with this particular group to help enforce open source values inside of, uh, you know, amateur radio stuff as well so uh so yeah i thought it was it was kind of a an interesting find and that's that's where i kind of found that other grant that they did to the ori so right. they, they they put out a lot of money a lot of money it is a lot of money and very interesting topic i'm gonna have to read this thing on the conservancy i'm interested in that i used to listen to their podcast back in the day yeah see it was so bad russ couldn't even follow it <laughs> <laughs> no, I was following it, but Bill put the story in. Sometimes he has thoughts. So, yeah. so like here's how much here's how much they gave. So the firmware liberation project, the ARDC gave uh, the software freedom conservancy one hundred fifty thousand dollars, and for the strategic GPL enforcement initiative, they gave him a hundred thousand dollars. So. Yeah, very nice. Wow, all, all that was in there. I must have missed it. No, no, that's actually if you follow the link and go a little deeper into the story, you can uh, you can find all that information. But uh, yeah, definitely good good stuff for uh, for the community. All right, very good. So, with that said, since that was sort of a quasi hybrid topic involving Linux and the Ham Shack, we will do one that does involve quite uh, conveniently more Linux in the Ham Shack, and this is the latest release or the latest beta release or rc i guess rc is technically after beta but right know, yeah it's, it's right before you get to right GA. before you get to the thing yeah so uh wsjtx has put out 2.3.0 release candidate one which i downloaded and built and am unimpressed by but bill's probably going to tell us more about it than <laughs> than i really experienced because there was one specific feature i was hoping was in there and it's not so yeah it's not in the change log right so you know it's mentioned... in the change log oh is it it is but oh, it doesn't it's not work. there yeah <laughs> <laughs> Someone so. apparently forgot to include the new screens for <laughs> for uh, for that compile build, but uh, yeah, so this should have had a, a bunch of a good stuff that uh, included some uh, new performance gains and a couple of I think a couple of new modes too, if I remember correctly. I didn't didn't dig into it fully because we have covered this in the past, and I did want to say that now that the two three zero builds are out there with the uh, devs that are downloadable on the WSJTX site. You may have tried to do this, uh, and it will now install uh, on your 2004 devices, uh, you know, Ubuntu systems, without any issues. However, there are some caveats. If you happen to have had a JS8 call installed as well, it installs a... Um, I'm using air quotes here so you can't see it, like a phantom package <laughs> along with it called a WSJTX-data. 
And um, if you've run into an issue where you've run an install on this new RC1 build and it says it can't overwrite an existing file, and it, I think it's uh, one of the uh, icons, like the icon for the actual application, um, it's because you need to get rid of WSJTX-data. So you need to do an app to remove WSJTX-data first, get rid of all of that garbage, and then and then install the RC1 build, and everything should run fine Minus the fact that some of the features aren't actually there. <laughs> so. yeah. Well, I built I built two 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 two, so I just went ahead and built two three zero RC one rather than install the package. Um, the build went fine; had no problems with it. Although the documentation that specifies the prefix, the install prefix, didn't work. <laughs> so. Uh, it installed it in this in slash user slash local, which is not where I wanted it, but all I did was just copy the stuff to where I did want it, so not a big deal. That thing with uh, switching profiles and having the dark style sheet definitely does not work, and in fact, the dark style sheet itself is now broken because, or at least it is in my build, I don't know if it works for you, but what happened for me was when I set it to start with the dark style sheet, when it starts up in the dark style sheet and then when the pop-up comes up to say this is a you know release candidate build and will expire on blah 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 the style sheet reverts to normal i didn't see that i didn't try that either i, I kept on seeing like uh, uh well even in previous builds like it, it occasionally does not want to uh actually uh start up <laughs> with with that in place uh so let's see here. I'm just going to start mine up real quick to see. Like I said, and... mine, mine comes up and it looks dark until that pop-up. And as soon as the pop-up comes up... It... Oh, the splash thing? Yeah. yeah uh, so I don't have... The, I have the splash thing disabled, so I don't see that. Um, so mine stays in dark mode when I run it. Ooh, I might have to try that. What's the, the... thing to disable? What's the, the flag to disable the splash? Uh, I'm not sure. There was like a checkbox right on the splash screen that says, don't show this again. Oh, I'll have to try that. I didn't, I don't think I saw that, but. Ah, okay. Yeah. So again, this is a pre-release version. So of course it's an RC build. It's, uh, it's only going to be functional until November 17th. And we'll probably see a few more RC builds in relation to this, but it should work fine for you to, uh, to use as your daily driver until the GA is released. As long as you can get by all the other, uh, any other kind of random things that uh, don't quite operate the way in which they said it would. So, uh, and yeah, I don't see. I'm I'm using two three RC one, and I just switched back to not using dark mode, and it's fine. I mean, it works great. And as far as the performance gains, yeah, it's much faster. <laughs> um, on my machine, it definitely is. I have a sort of underpowered Hamshack computer. Yeah, and um, as far as just the startup of WSJTX from two 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 to two three zero. I mean, it's uh, it's probably four hundred percent faster. So, yeah. well, that's good then. <laughs> it is. It is. I'm not complaining necessarily. There's just that one feature I really want to work, and it doesn't. <laughs> so, but uh, it's a RC, so I'm I'm not, uh, and I still have my two 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 build available to me. So, yeah, I actually just uninstalled mine when I did it just to get it out of the way. But um, only because I was running into that overwrite problem. So, um, but yeah, yeah, uh, check it out. And uh, they're definitely taking feedback. Uh, Russ has left some feedback already in their group. 
So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, feel free and, uh, definitely, uh, join the, uh, join the WSJTX group over on groups.io and, uh, you know, give them feedback and, uh, that way they know that, uh, you know, the Linux people are out there using this quite, uh, quite frequently. And well, I just, you know, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. Well, no, I'm going to switch topics, so you go ahead. <laughs> Don't you dare switch topics. Uh, yeah, I was actually flipping back and forth between YouTube. I did a video on WSJT, uh, version 9, quite a few years ago, and I found it to be a really good uh, piece of software. I may have to go take a look at this and see what's going on. I'm not in position to run HF right now, but that doesn't mean I can't evaluate a piece of software. No, WSJTX is an excellent piece of software for sure. I mean, it does everything you could ever want uh, if you're doing weak signal. Anyway, <laughs> um, so am I okay to switch topics now? <laughs> yes, ma- yes, ma'am. Did you say, ma'am? You dick. <laughs> <laughs> what everybody calls you, Mrs. Jones or Mr. Jones? And, and I stuff, can call so. him Dick because he really is Dick. I mean, you know, kind, kind. <laughs> you would not kind. believe how incredibly big one uh, that I am. Anyway, so y'all go ahead. <laughs> I just want to send a quick shout out to the folks over. I don't know if it's actually them or if it's community supported, but the documentation for Linux Mint has been really outstanding because I had a machine that was running Linux Mint 17.0, which if anybody is aware, 17.0 is very old. (laughs) Um, It was running 3.13 for a kernel (laughs) to give you an idea. And, uh, there, I have found step-by-step instructions on on doing the walk-through migration of each of the iterations from 17.0 to 20, and I, this is the first distribution that I can recall where I have actually done all of the upgrades in sequence from 17.0 to 17.3 to 18 to 18.3 to 19 to 19.3 to 20, where they've worked every single time. Wow. Yeah, yes. And, uh, 17 came out in uh, May of 2014. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so just just a wee bit old. Hey, and he's uh, on top of stuff though, you know. But but I'm I'm truly excited about the fact that these upgrades have worked with without a hitch. I mean, all the way up through to the current version. It's pretty impressive actually. I cannot say that about any of the other distributions I've ever run. And honestly, a revision this old on any of the other operating systems I run, even Linux ones, would have been a would have been a nuke and pave kind of thing. But yeah, it worked out well. So good on you, Linux Mint. Anyway, that's all I had to say about that. I thought I was the only one running a copy of Linux Mint that was that old. I've got two laptops over here that have seventeen on. Well, you can upgrade them if you want, and they won't break. <laughs> so I have to look into that. Uh, I'm thinking about running next LX server. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. All right. So now I don't care if you're busy or not. It's your turn. <laughs> Trying to do stuff. Again. And guess what? You're gonna. I'm gonna throw you off this week because. I reordered the lists. <laughs> yeah, Cheryl, Cheryl, Cheryl. Go ahead, baby. You got it. All right. Here we go. Oh, yeah. You really did do it, too, didn't you? <laughs> because, well, I, because it was getting old, and we, I used to do it every week. I would reorder the list I, Yeah, I know, because you didn't want people to feel left out or whatever. Yeah, right. Know, so here so. we go. Social media round. All right. So for this time, our Patreons are John Spriggs, Robert Pitts, Douglas Redder, David Jakeway, 
Darren King, Cubicle Nate, Erno Costales, Samuel Vimes, Peter Caffrey, Paul, Go- or, excuse me, Paul Griffith, Richard Gordon, Jonas Rulo, Donald Gover, Herb Garcia, Steve Sainer, Steve Metcalf, William Heckelman, Randolph Smith, and Andy Webster. For subscriptions, we have Michael Burdak, Kevin Ivey, Tony Coberly, Ronald Ike, Thor Wiegman, Ta- uh, Johnny Kinsey, Peter Spots, Fred Cole, Bill Piotr, Jeffrey Boris, Robert Halliday, Wayne Hale, John Clark, Steve Hepler, Michael Jopling, Roger Pereira, Howard Dittmer, Todd Bowers, Michael Carey, A. Taylor, Dylan Angle, Jim McKenzie, Bill Collins, Robert Black, Darren King, Randolph Smith, Robert, excuse me, Robert Yerke, Steve Biella, Alan Wilson, Mark Farrell, and Jeff Zimmerman. On Facebook, we had Brian Olson. For Twitter, we had at Fernando. Wait, un- did you say Brian or Byron? Sorry, I said Brian. <laughs> Sorry, Byron Olson. On Twitter, we had at Fernando underscore Dodd, at WU1T underscore radio, at M7DSSM, at Verweederk, at JWOC underscore 15 underscore and at Ohio Linux. Ohio Linux Fest. Woo woo. Woo woo. Uh, on YouTube, we had Nick Mortel at Urban Druid and no, at. No, no. Ann. I was sorry. Ann <laughs> Urban Druid. Sorry. And, no, it's okay. And, and, did it. Sorry. I'm still stuck on Twitter. And on YouTube, again, we had Kyle Krieg, no mailing list people and no merchandise sell people. All right. Well, well that sucks. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's not very often we have merchandise sales, but it seems like we go through these phases of nobody buys anything, and then three hundred people buy something all in one week. Well, the uh, last the last round of merchandise sales we had was because of the expo, the virtual ham mm-hmm. expo. On the rest of it, Cheryl, I will tell you exactly what I tell my grand- granddaughter when she does something good. Yay, baby! Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that brings us down to the end of the show. And we usually at the end of the show mention the folks who are with us live in the chat room. And apparently everybody's got something else to do this week. So it's okay. (laughs) (laughs) We forgot tonight was Thursday. Yeah, yeah. that's it. (laughs) We did have a couple of folks. We had our our good old pal Don, KC9ZMY, and our other good old pal Jonas Rulo. So thanks for being here in the chat tonight and uh we had we had uh richard too i i mean i don't know we need to include you in the chat room but you are in the chat room you never include me when i'm in there <laughs> well i don't include bill or me either because we're always in the chat room so yeah always 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 room. always always and, and i want you to know that norman is still my head of security <laughs> thank goodness because you need some type of security yeah well I'm, I'm not too bright and i might hurt myself if somebody ain't watching me <laughs> make sure norman sits upright in the chair because if he falls over and you step him on at night it might hurt so well actually he's got his own little corner he's building a bow staff uh, I'm not sure if y'all are familiar with that, but uh, he's building his own bow staff, and uh, he's fixing to do some considerable butt whooping out in the yard with it. And uh, he decided that I need to uh, need to join in in uh, his practice because uh, working House of Blues, I might actually need to spin spin a pool cue on somebody or something. I don't know. Uh, it's it's really a convoluted plan, but he's uh, he's working. It's the language barrier, y'all. 
<laughs> what English versus English? I mean, what? Um, or English versus Gnome? Well, he's got a little bit of German in there, got a little bit of Irish in there, a little bit of English in there. I mean, it's it's all messed up. He he barely he's barely coherent. I have to get him drunk before I can understand him. All right. So so do you think you can do one of your Richard outros after uh, Bill outros himself? I'm not sure I have one. You're not sure you have one or you do have one? I'm not sure I have one. Come up with one well, quick. You you got about 30 seconds. <laughs> oh my god pressure yeah <laughs> all right well we'll see we'll see what happens i mean that's pretty much how the show goes every week um, there you go <laughs> so anyway that being said uh this has been episode number 372 of linux in the ham shack we thank everybody who was here live with us and uh who joins in afterwards and listens to the podcast after its release we appreciate each and every one of you and of course our paid supporters we wouldn't be here without you so tune in next time when we have another episode because you know they keep coming of course and they increment by one every time i know it's strange how that works but anyway let's get out of here i'm russ k5tux i'm cheryl w5moo and i'm bill any 4rd 73 oh wait a minute i'm supposed to say something here doggone it well, you know, the only problem with raspberry pie is I keep getting it all over my fingers. for listening to this episode of Linux in the Hamshack. LHS is a community-sponsored podcast. The live show is recorded every Monday night at 8pm Central Time, plus or minus QRL. Connect to the live stream at url.bcts.info stroke LHS Live. Our website is located at lhspodcast.info You can support the podcast by visiting the LHS Patreon page at patreon.com stroke LHS podcast or by using the contribute link on the homepage. Get in touch via social media. We have a presence on Discord, Facebook, IRC, Twitter and YouTube. Our IRC channel is hash LHS podcast on the Freenode network and the Discord invite link is url.bcts.info stroke discord. You can also drop us an email info at lhspodcast.info or leave us a voicemail at 1-909-LHS-SHOW. That's 1-909-547-7469. Visit the online LHS merchandise store at shop.lhspodcast.info for fun and fashionable show-themed merchandise. Become an ambassador and represent LHS at a local Linux convention or hand Email ambassadors at lhspodcast.info for more information or visit the homepage for details. Until next time, remember to always heed your hedonism.
Linux in the Hamshack and the Linux in the Hamshack logo are released under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives 4.0 International License.